it wasn't long ago, um, I had this weird moment of, uh, of I don't want to say embarrassment, but this weird moment of just bewilderment, of kind of feeling a sense of confusion at myself, at, at my own life, because um, I had someone kind of ask me a question that I didn't know how to answer. Um, not because I, I not because I felt unprepared, but simply because I don't know that I'd ever thought about it before. Uh, I'm 32. I've been raised in the church. I did quizzing, and you know, went to uh, and have you know uh, several degrees in in studying scripture and ministry. And this person asked me, you know, what what do you consider your life verse? What do you do? You have a life verse? And I just went, well, probably, but I couldn't come up with it. I. I wasn't sure what it is. And I said, you know, I, I really don't, I'm not sure. Um, I probably need to pray about that. <laughs> and I meant that very sincerely. It's like, I, Lord, do I have, is there a verse, like, is there something of scripture, is there something of your word that has guided and oriented my life, that has made life make sense and felt like it was the way that you were going, even when I didn't have an understanding of what was going on. And if you know uh, my story, if you know Lindy's and my story, you know there's just some crazy, there's some crazy things in there. Um, we, we got to live for a, a little over a year on Kauai. We spent time in uh, Wyoming. We spent time in Nebraska. We spent time serving with the Salvation Army. We spent time serving with the Missionary Church. We've got this wonderful patchwork story of God doing things and leading us in strange places. And here was what came to me when I went into prayer. I was like, Lord, what is this that you have helped facilitate this life? What is this that you have led us by the hand? And there's that Isaiah 42 verse, but what came to me was, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or he will make your path straight or he will, whatever version you have that memorized in. And I almost started to weep because it suddenly made sense. I would never say that this verse was, you know, plastered on our wall somewhere. It's not written down a hundred times. It's not even underlined in my Bible. But it has been the verse. It has been the guiding truth to life for as long as I know it. For as long as there has been a walk with the Lord, this has been the truth. There has been this truth. But then here's what happened. Here's what happened. As I started thinking about this verse and looking at this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will make your path straight. And it suddenly realized that it had shifted and changed and that there had been a reprioritization, a reorienting in my life in these last few years as there has been growth and as I have seen him be faithful in ways that I never imagined he could be faithful Doesn't that sound weird that you can suddenly discover that God can be more faithful than you ever imagined? Have you had that experience? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Because it used to be that I would kind of prioritize, look at this and be like, okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, 
Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. What's the most important part of that verse when you are facing a problem? It's the making your path straight. That's the part we really want to get to. We want to go like, okay, how are you going to make this make sense? How is this going to, how is the path going to look straight? How do I get to that part? Oh, okay, I need to remember that you're part of this, and I need to trust you with all my heart. And so you kind of start at that end, and you reverse engineer going backwards. At least that's what I would do. And this, this past week, I mean, when I, when this, when, when I was, when I was praying and I felt like this overwhelming, this is this thing that you need to relook at and see how this has been orienting your life. I knew that it was, okay, this is what I have to preach on in a, in a couple few weeks or whatever. And, uh, and so I've been just looking at it ever since then. So I want to invite you to look at it this morning with me. Uh, here it is. Here's the verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That is the uh, NASB. Now, there's a few words, so if we're going to get into this Bible, you know, start digging into it a little bit. There's a few words here that we need to pull out and know that these are significant. Uh, the first is batak, which is trust. The next is the tetragrammaton, um, which I'm not going to say from here because some of we, we, we have some, you know, there's things that, we're, that we are uh, sensitive to. So that is the proper name for the Lord. That's the name of God. That's the name that he gave Moses when he said, I am that I am. Next is this word kol, which is all. And then lastly, there's this word yada, which is to know. And these, all four of these are in this verse in significant ways, in ways that I never really paid attention to before. Because I'll tell you the truth, even though I had, you know, looked at this verse and, and, oriented life around it until these past couple weeks, I didn't know that it was the proper name for God in there. I did not know that the writer of Proverbs, which we sometimes even point out as, you know, here are these wisdom words. Here's these words of wisdom. Here is how you pursue wisdom. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, to befriend wisdom, to live wisely. We don't often think of it as a deeply theological book in terms of using God's name. But here it is. Why do you think that's significant? You don't have to answer. You just talk to yourself. I had to ask myself, why is that significant? Why, am I, why is that bringing curiosity out of me? Why am I wondering what in the world is this all about? And it suddenly makes sense because if you're going to trust somebody, if you're going to have a relationship with somebody, if you're going to trust them, shouldn't you know their name? If somebody called you from an unknown number, do you even answer? If their name isn't on the screen of the phone, do you answer the phone anymore or not? You're looking for a name. You're looking for a connection. You're looking for a way to say, I have familiarity with this person. I know who's on the other end of the line. I know who's on the other side of this phone call. And then you decide whether or not you want to talk to them. But if you have an unknown number, or even worse, I mean, if the number comes up and says caller blocked or unknown number, or even worse, if it just says U.S. government, you know immediately you're declining that call. But here's this writer of Proverbs, and here is as he is pursuing wisdom, as he is inviting us to know what wisdom looks like, he says it's not just trust God, it's not just trust some supernatural force. It's not just trust the divine out there. It's trust the Lord. There's history with this name. This name has a story. 
This name is associated with action, activity, with words, with relationship to the people of Israel, to God's people for generations and generations and generations. This, this author, this writer of Proverbs, Solomon, whoever it is, is telling us it's not just trust God, it's trust in the Lord. Trust in the great I am. Trust in the proper name of God right here. The proper name brings a history of faithfulness, grace, justice, mercy, and love. Trust grows with self-disclosure and is easier when character is reliable. If you want to trust God more, to listen to his people's stories and invite, invite him into yours. See, as long as God remains this distant force, divine being, the great architect of the universe, whatever, as long as, it, as long as there's this distance and there's no name, there's no intimacy. Intimacy begins with an introduction. Intimacy begins with an invitation to become familiar. Intimacy begins with an introduction. My name is, and you are. Do you remember the day that you met your spouse? Did someone introduce you? Did you introduce yourself? Did you stalk them on Facebook and discover what their name was? <laughs> Do you remember that introduction? Do you remember the name, the first time you heard the name and you suddenly went, that's a really great name? Or was, was there a different experience? I'm not sure that I like this person. And then they grew on you. <laughs> At some point, there's a name exchange and you have to know who you're dealing with. And if you're going to trust someone, you need to know their name. I, never, I don't know that I ever noticed that this author, that the Holy Spirit had given us this invitation not to just trust God, but to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord of Israel. Trust the Lord of Scripture. Trust the Lord Almighty, the one true living God, the great I Am. Trust the one who was willing to meet his people in the dirt and say, my name is. Let's keep going then. Next thing we had to, next thing I noticed, was, what is this word all? What's this word all? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm not really always super comfortable with that. There's parts of the heart that I kind of need to, that I want to stay a little protected and a little reserved and a little, well, I mean, here's all the parts that are more, most secure about me and here's all of the parts of the heart that I, I think um, I can trust you with most readily, but there's maybe there's these elements of my life, there's these parts of who I am that I'm not sure that I'm ready for you to know about. I'm not sure that I'm ready for, to share with you. When, you. when you got married, if you got married, did you exchange vows and was it somehow, was there any kind of non-commitment in there or was it a pretty absolute thing? With this ring, I thee wed, on your good days, I'm going to be happy to be here. On your bad days, we'll just pretend we no, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, we talk about all. 
we give this sense of all, whatever comes, whatever the situation, whatever the context, whatever might happen, I'm, pre, I'm previously deciding, I'm already pre-committing all of it. I'm already pre-committing all of it to you. This word coal, there's no substitute for all. If you're supposed to put all of something in somewhere and you held back any, did you put it all in or not? This is the invitation and this is the hardest part, I think. I think this is the hardest part of this invitation to know the Lord and to see his promises fulfilled in our lives is this part right here that says, with all your heart. But I think that's also what goes back to why it's so important that we have his name. That we have a name to associate with because once we have a name, we have stories and we go, oh, so you're saying that your savior, the one who you are chasing down, walking alongside of, that you're orienting life around, whose discipleship you are embracing, that's Jesus of Nazareth? Well, what's he all about? I'm glad you asked. Actually, there's this four books in here that tell us all about who he is and what he was doing. Did you ever notice in the Gospels, you ever notice that when we have this name, you will call him Emmanuel because he will save his people from their sins? It means God with us. There's this drawing close, there's this intimacy, there's this familiarity. Do you ever notice that the Scripture, the Gospels especially, they give us an invitation to not just know what Jesus did, but the character, why he did it. Otherwise, it would be very short books. They would say, Jesus showed up and healed people, and then he moved on. And we'd go, big deal. I mean, not necessarily big deal, but he healed people. Okay, so that meant he had power. We're not always so interested in who people, when, when people have power. We're interested when people have tenderness. We're interested in people who have character, not just power. There's something inside of us that God has said, has called us to know about himself, that he is not only powerful, but he is good. And so we don't have, we don't have these narratives, we don't have these scriptures, these four testimonies of the life of Christ saying Jesus showed up, cast out demons, moved on to the next town and did more. We have it saying he showed up and it says he had compassion on them because he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And we're giving an insight into the character of our Christ, which is an invitation to become intimate. It's an invitation to get to know someone and what makes them tick and why they are the way they are. Why did he heal them? Because he loved them. Isn't that different? Isn't that better? when we start noticing that the scripture is not, so Im- not always so invested in us having the details about what happened in the events as it is in having an understanding of the character of God as he orchestrated those events. And every page you turn is an invitation to know God better and to become more intimate and more aware of who he is and why he is doing what he's doing. And when we become more aware of what someone is doing and why they're doing it, we start trusting more. We start saying, I, underst- I get it. I- it's important. 
It's important that you're compassionate. It's important that your people know that you have compassion for them and that you have mercy for them and you have grace for them. I'm really, I'm really given a lot of security knowing that because I want to be one of your people. When he talks about being a good shepherd and having sheep who know his voice and that there are thieves who want to go in other ways, but he's the gate and he's going to make sure that they stay safe, doesn't that give you security? And you say, okay, that's the kind of shepherd you are. You're a good shepherd. You're not a, you're not a mercenary shepherd. You actually are invested in my life, in the life of these people, in the life of us as sheep. You're not just here for the wages and if something were to happen, you'd just skip town. He cares, cares deeply. All of, a sudden, this, all of a sudden, this proverb is coming alive, and we have this trust in the Lord with all your heart. The hardest part, maybe the second hardest part, is this next one where we'd go, okay, yep, that, that's the challenge, and do not lean on your own understanding. There are some really, really brilliant, smart people in this room. Really brilliant people. Incredibly intelligent, smart people. In every single seat, in every single pew, people with great understanding. And yet somehow the challenge to us is to trust in the Lord with all our heart and to not lean, find stability, find security, find safety in what we understand. See, the way that God designed us, the way that God built us, wired us, is this really incredible thing. There's this, there's this thing between your ears, behind your eyes, up in this general area, uh, it's trapped in this spherical bone called your skull. There's something in there called your brain. And God designed that to assess reality on certain levels. There are certain gates, almost junctions, you'd almost say, that if, if certain boxes get checked, you proceed to the next, and the next box gets checked, you go proceed to the next until you reach a certain point of, of understanding. And most of us understand this idea and the concept of left brain and right brain and the left brain processes. You know, we think about engineering and analysis and logic, and we think of the right brain as art and entertainment and creativity, and that's completely wrong. What we have is processing sides, and one side being devoted to processing logic and information, the other side being devoted to processing nonverbals and relationships, and the very first junction that all of reality enters through and gets processed by is, who are you with right now? It's this attachment center. It's the relationship junction that says, are you and who you're with? Is the people you're with, is there anybody around you? Are you safe? <laughs> are you attached to them? Are they glad to be with you? Are you happy to be here? Are you happy to be with these people? The next thing that's going to get decided is that, okay, if you're not, are they scary people or are they just unfamiliar people? And if we don't make a certain checkbox in one of those levels of, 
of assessment, one of those levels of, of decision-making. We throw ourselves over into the other side of the brain that says, okay, well then what do I, what's the best way that I know about everything here? What's the information I have at my disposal to make my own decision? And without having some of, the, uh, some of the interest that I've had, I guess, in the last couple of years, I don't, never would have noticed this in this psalm. Because what God is inviting us to do is do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Okay, right? But in all of your ways, there's that word all again. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him. And I could not figure out what in the world does acknowledge mean? What in the world? What, is what does it mean to acknowledge God? I mean, if you walk into the room, you acknowledge someone, give them a nod, and then you walk away. I mean, yep, you're here. Got to dig. Somehow along the course of this, we have translated this as acknowledge. And something that must have meant a different thing at a different time, because in my mind, and the way that that struck me was not intimacy. It was detached. It was almost, in all your ways, just acknowledge him. But the Hebrew word behind this word, this Hebrew word behind this, acknowledges this word yada. And that's a completely different thing. This is this invitation of, of intimacy and of, of an intertwined relationship. This word is used for lots of special things in Scripture. It's like over 700 uses. It's like over 700 times in the Old Testament of something being known and something being known and something being known and something being really known. If you, you know, if you grew up with uh, if the, the New King James Version or the King James Version that said something like, uh, and Jacob knew his wife Leah, or Jacob knew his wife Rachel, or Adam knew his wife Eve, this is that word. It's intimate knowledge. And here we have it in this proverb, right directly following this challenge that says, well, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, because you're not going to lean on your own understanding. You know, what happens is that when we prioritize information over relationship, we find ourselves pursuing expertise instead of intimacy. The most informed people, the most experts, the most expertise-oriented, those with the highest expertise, the most confidence in what they've learned, can very often be very self-sufficient and lean on our own understanding. Intimacy grows where trust is fulfilled. We have musicians in the room, we have painters in the room, we have engineers in the room, we have sewers in the room. We have people watching online that are familiar with steps of things. Now, if I'm going to talk to the, specifically to the musicians, most of them are over here and over there <laughs> and over here. <laughs> if I handed you sheet music and you studied it, but never sang it, would you know it? 
It's not meant to be a riddle. If I handed you the music and said, get familiar with this, would you infer, play it, make mistakes, but play it again and make more mistakes, and then play it again and play it again and play it again until it is something that you know? Or would you take that invitation as I'm going to spread it out and I'm going to highlight where the different really interesting parts are and I'm going to memorize it, but I'm never going to play it? Which kind of knowledge are we pursuing? Which kind of yada, which kind of knowing God are we pursuing? Are we pursuing the knowledge of the Lord that says, I'm just going to lay this all out and I'm going to continue to dive into the nitty gritty and I'm going to continue to highlight the verses and I'm going to look behind the text and I'm going to see what the language says, but I'm never going to walk in faith. I'm never going to step out and play the song of discipleship. I'm never going to until I can fully memorize it and say, I've got it all figured out and I'm an expert in this song. I can confidently testify, friends, that is not the way that God has invited us to know him. He invited us to walk with him to be taken by the hand and to walk through life saying, I know you're here. Every step of the way, here we go. Let's do this together. And that he has not called us to be experts, but to be intimates. And to me, that's good news. Because I always keep running across people who who seem like they have more expertise than I do, and I wonder if I missed something or did something wrong. And I wonder if I got left out, and I wonder if I did it wrong, and I wonder if there was a better way, and I wonder if I should try a different book or a different class or a different church. And then I came across people like many of you who just say, no, I'm just... I'm just walking with the Lord and I know he's going to take care of us and I know he's going to take care of me because I trust him and I've seen him take care of me before. I know his story. I know how he's cared for his people. I know what he's done with them in the past. I know what he's even done with me now that I look at it. See, the Lord's invitation is not to be studied but to be known. In all areas of life, wherever we go, at all times, our relationship with him shapes our expectations. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Does the Lord have a way to approach politics? Yes. Does he have a way to approach money? Yes. Marriage? Yes. Parenting? Yes. Community? Yes. I am going to read every one of these. Community, yes. Employment, yes. Leadership, yes. Conflict, yes. Rest, yes. Justice, yes. Art, yes. Education, yes. 
Health, yes. School, yes. The Lord has an opinion on life. We'll never know what that is without sharing our heart and life with him. This is a beautiful invitation that we have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, get to know him. And then the path is straight. But I want the path to be straight before I have to risk all these other things. And he says, that's not how intimacy works. That's not how relationships work. That's not how intimacy is grown. Intimacy is grown when there's risk and there's trust. And you take the step. And you take the step. And you take the step. And sometimes you don't understand. (laughs) Because it's not about our left brain and what we can process and put in place. It's about our right brain and saying, who do you know? Who are you? Who's your closest friend? Who makes you who you are? See, that was the part that I forgot to share is that that right side of our brain is what controls your identity. And what we find out when we're looking at this identity center is that it's all shaped by who you love. That who you are is determined by who you belong to. Whose are you? We build this into our marriage vows. We build this into covenant relationships. We build this into church. We build this into family. We are the kind of people who... Joshua's, Joshua's commitment early on in the, before the Israelites are going to go take Canaan, what was his commitment? He says, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we belong to the Lord. It's belonging language, it's commitment and attachment language saying that who we are, it comes out of this relationship first. That's what shapes your identity. That's what shapes who you are and what you're going to do. What is it going to be like you to do when you don't understand something is going to be shaped by who you belong to. You can't get away from it. It's completely super conscious, faster than the speed of thought. You always know who you are, and who you are is always determined by who you belong to. So are we going to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in every way get to know him and see him guide our path, see him guide our steps, see him make it straight, see him make it clear because it will, it will, it will. When we find security in what we understand, new information can readily bring us to doubt. But when we know him in all of life, the way to go becomes clear as day. And the reason why is always the same. It's because we want to be with him. It's because we want to go where he's going. It's because we're saying, I know where you're going is always good, and I want to go there. 
I want to go there with you. I want to go there too. So here's a few questions for us. Here's a few questions to wrap up these what ifs, because this all, nothing goes anywhere without us saying, okay, but what do I do? What if, here's my invitation. What if we began every day acknowledging the presence of the Lord? What if every day simply began with, we're in this together. Lord, I'm walking with you today. Because the, 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 the inverse, the converse of that is to say, is to wake up and say, okay, God, I have this one. I've got it. Any of us brave enough? Let's wake up. Let's wake up every day saying, Lord, I'm in this with you. I'm going where you're going. Let's wake up saying, what if we approached every dilemma acknowledging the Lord cares about everything in our lives? What if we knew he had an opinion and instead of saying, okay, what do I understand about this? What is my best awareness of COVID-19? I'm going to go find all of the data. And we say, okay, God, you care about my life and you care about the lives of the people who I care about and you care about this world more than any of us. How do I walk with you through this dilemma? How do I walk with you through these questions? How do I walk with you through this? How do I just demonstrate that you're here in life? How do I show and reveal your presence? What if, what if we had no better reason to do any one thing than just the Lord said, this is good. You want me to give a good example of that? It doesn't really make much sense for, for you to, to tithe or to give offerings. It doesn't make much sense to donate money to churches. It doesn't make much sense to put those things in there, but the Lord said, it's good. He said, it's good. We can figure it out and say, okay, here's all the reasons why it can be used for. Here's all the reasons why there's good that is done with this. But at the end of the day, there are some things we do simply because God said this is good to do, and he knows what's good for me, and I'm going to trust him with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding, and I'm going to, I'm going to get to know him in every way, and I'm going to see him make the path straight. Here's the last one. This is the challenge that I think is facing the American church has been for generations, really since AD 33. What if we were more dedicated to growing intimacy than we are expertise? Maybe we would be growing ourselves and growing churches and growing disciples and growing families that know God more than we know about God, that know Jesus more than we know about Jesus, that know, that know the Lord in that special, intimate kind of way that he's invited us to. I think that could be a really powerful thing. I think that could change the world. 
I'd love to see it happen. Will you pray with me as the worship team comes back up to close our service? Lord, we want to know you. We're here because we want to know you. You've invited us to know you. And you keep revealing yourself more and more to us from glory to glory, peeling back the layers and disclosing who you are. You've given us a name. You've given us a history. You've given us promises. You've invited us to intimacy. To know you deeply, to know you well, to know your character and your heart and what matters to you and why and how we can live that out as citizens of your kingdom, as members of your family, as sons and daughters with your life in us. God, increase our faith because we are weak. Things get in the way and we doubt and we wonder and we fall. Increase our faith that we can continue to grow as your people who bear your name, who trust you with all of our hearts and can show the world why that's such a good thing. For your name's sake, we pray. Amen.